Good evening, everybody out there in the pack system and beyond, wherever your uh, particular audio tubes, hearing organs uh, may originate from, to a, another special sit-down event of Dude, Where's My Drift, where I, the GM of the show, Kay, am sitting down with one of my players to French ask them a whole bunch of questions and get a you know general vibe check on how things are going for them, what they think is coming up. Uh, sitting down with me tonight, we have Kaz, who is best known as the Raxolite Mystic Simber. Hey there. <laughs> <It's good> to... <laughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. You know, you just gotta you gotta let the little gremlin out every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a I had a cabbage in my throat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Speaking of. How do you feel about Simber just being referred to as a cabbage? Like, do you really picture a cabbage for your Raxolites? No, I kind of actually picture an artichoke mostly, uh, partially because, you know, I like the flowering and seeding uh, idea, but also because of the joke that she artichoke people out more often than she does. All right. Uh, you heard it here, fans. We are no longer the carnivorous cabbage. We are the... Uh, she, she's part of the artichoke uh <laughs> conglomeration. <laughs> I, mean, I was just trying to think of a solid uh, alliterative term for devastation involved. The artichoke which... annihilator. Yes, the artichoke annihilator. <laughs> All right, that is exactly what we are now, folks. All right, so with our new artichoke annihilator, I, I, I feel like it's going to play so well. It's going to be a great wrestling name. Better something else that's appropriate, but um, all right. So, Kaz, tell me, how long have you been playing tabletop role playing games, and what kind of got you involved in with them in the first place? Um, legitimately about twenty years now. Um, and what got me into them was my brother in law Charlie. Uh, had this. Um, he was a huge nerd ever since uh, the early days. Um. Hmm like the incredibly early days. And um, so two things happened almost at the same time. One being uh, while I was hanging out with him at his apartment one day, uh, I stumbled across him making some game notes for a uh, third ed, not 3.5 third ed game that he was going to run for D and D. Uh, and I saw a lot of the book pictures and stuff like that. And he, he was pretty cool about that kind of thing. And then the second thing was one of my other brother-in-law's uh, brothers-in-law, uh, Todd, gave me, uh, or rather, he left my sister a whole bunch of of crap when he uh, moved out, and uh, some of the crap that he left her was some uh, game books. So, and these were second ed D and D books. Uh, so my first system was second ed. Because those were the books I had. I had a whole suite of books that I would play second ed with. Uh, so oh, I originally damn. learned and taught my friends second ed, and then we got access to third ed stuff um, when my brother Charlie updated to three point five and had a whole bunch of third ed stuff. And then after that, I actually went and started getting my own stuff. Um, so that was really about it. And uh, since then, um, I've been playing a lot of different systems um, because I had a lot of different GMs who were 
by the time I got to the point where I was being allowed to play <laughs> and not just GM everybody, um, most of the GMs I was running into had been doing D20 fantasy derivative games for dozens of years and were really tired of it. And so they were prestiging into more interesting game series like GURPS and <clears throat> Legend of the Five Rings and uh, White Wolf series mm -hmm. stuff like Vampire and Werewolf and stuff. So that was kind of my big introduction to, to tabletop gaming was um, getting a lot of secondhand information and then faking my way through a couple of early systems until eventually landing on 3.5 as the one that I really learned. So would it be safe to say that you kind of just fucked around and found out for your way for into getting tabletop games? Yeah, you know, the old way that we used to do it. None of this. Uh, I watched Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your introduction to mainstream D&D? Well, you see, it was a cartoon back then. <laughs> uh, mine was a friend fucking around with uh, a D&D books in seventh grade. There you go. See? <laughs> yeah. The old way. Two dates still have not watched a single bit of Critical Role. Same. <laughs> like, I, like, don't do it. I tried to listen to, like, season one sometime after, I think when season two was coming to an end or something and i just mm -hmm. i'm sorry i saw how long the episodes were and like i don't have time for this shit <laughs> well it, it also kind of i i think that uh part of the reason why i joke about critical role is also part of the reason why i kind of like i'm envious of what critical role has been able to accomplish i mean it's and, absolutely amazing well, and it's more than just their production value or anything like that. You know, it's more than just the cult following that they've got that's turned into like an actual like critical following. It's mm -hmm. it's um the fact that what they did was they they made mainstream D and D cool, which again and they it's did it amazing by, and so impressive. And they did it by just playing the game instead of what a lot of like corporate offices would do, which would be to try to appeal to the hip youth by making it into like a cool TV series or something. <laughs> They've yes. tried to make movies off of it, and they've all been terrible. I hate to sell anybody who likes any of them, but um, there are better movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have no expectations whatsoever for uh, the new one coming out. Assuming I even bothered watching it until... The thing reasons. I like about it is that they keep having trouble scheduling it, because that's the most realistic thing about D&D that that movie can <laughs> ever do. Yes, it 100%. So 3.5 is like your main system, right? It was for a long time. Yeah, it really was. Uh, how do you how you felt about fourth and fifth eds? Um, I kind of slept on fourth ed entirely. And from what I've been told, I didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. um, fifth ed, I appreciate how simple it is and how accessible it is for a lot of people. But for me, it feels like it's kind of an oversimplification. Um, I feel like they took out a lot of the jank from 3.5 and it lost a lot of its um it feels what made really, it what it was it feels really corporate and sterile now compared to like i'm not saying 3.5 wasn't also corporate because you know wizards yes. but um i will say that at least back then they had no idea what they were doing and the jank 
combined with their entire inexperience with putting that system together after, from what I understand, TSR, you know, they got it from TSR. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, sound it, it, it had a charm to it, you know? It was like, um, it was a lot of gaming tabletop nerds trying very hard to make the version of D&D they would want to play. Um, granted, it was D&D old hats, you know, second ed, first ed, which had a lot of not only jank, but just unnecessary artificial difficulty and crap in their system. Uh, yeah. you know, fondly. Crap used fondly here. <laughs> but yes, crap. of course. But crap. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like some of that crap ended up in third ed, and a lot of that got cleared out and put in, you know, some of it made it through to 3.5, but... Just somewhere somewhere on the road to 5th Ed, it feels like in trying to make it accessible, they watered it down too much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like 5th Ed these days kind of feels like the LaCroix of, D- of D&D tabletop systems. Oh my god, I love that analogy. It was, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, a D20 fantasy game that was stored in a room with a bunch of D&D 3.5 books. Basically. And I mean, granted... <laughs> It's a great introductory system to like get people to try and check it out because it is very easy to pick up and learn compared to 3.5. Yeah, it's definitely a good gateway drug, to be honest with you, but I think that's really all it is. And honestly, mm-hmm. as much as I like 5th Ed for being a good gateway drug because it's got like the brand recognition and everything, I still feel like other games end up being better starters just because, like I said, there's just... It, it ends up with there not being enough to really define yourself too well with it that without going into like a whole bunch of homebrew. And I feel yeah, like if you're going to do that anyway, <laughs> you're do that anyway, you may as well just go whole hog ham with it. Yeah. Bridge into other game systems. Um, so what is, that's kind of a weird question, but what's your favorite aspect about tabletop role playing games? Uh, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road as far as creative and collaborative writing is concerned. Um, because even if you have, for example, a very railroading combative D and D DM who like has a way they want the story to go, that's going to go that way. If you do anything against that, your character's going to get fried in lava and you're going to have to make a new one, you know? Um, mm-hmm. even if you end up in that position, um, it's still sort of up to the DM to read the table, if you will, because some people, some people go to tabletop games to turn their brains off and just engage in what is essentially tabletop cinema. And meanwhile, some people go to tables because they want to write their character's destiny out with the DM. And some people go to the table because they want to roll the biggest numbers and crit the highest you know, amounts. Some people want to go to the table because they want to hit on everybody at the table, both ironically and unironically. I mean, we know the people that do that. Um, It is a meme for a reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, even though it's usually not bards, in my experience, that are the sluts, it's usually um, druids. Um, But anyway. (laughs) I mean, I was going to go for swashbucklers and rogues and the occasional sorcerer no no they're usually swashbucklers and rogues and such are usually either there to have a great time or they're there to roll the big numbers druids they 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 get away with anything (laughs) 
I can see it. I mean, I can definitely see it. <laughs> Druids get away with everybody. Plus, I'm not going to say that there isn't an overlap between the tabletop community and the furry community. But that's a very different. <laughs> but you're also not going to say it. <laughs> but I'm not going to indicate it too loudly because I think that might risk the rating on the podcast. i'm not sure how far we can really get pushed for our current the cloaca jokes exist for a reason (laughs) yeah i I believe i I don't mean wouldn't that make clue more of a scaly than a fairy though i mean there's a fine line between the two i've been told Uh, i think it's uh i think there's an umbrella (laughs) there's an there's an there's an anthro enjoyers umbrella that gets kind of cast over everything yeah that makes more sense but so I, I can't, you kind of like ramp, you got off quite, I think you lost the question there for a minute, but what is like, what's, is it that draws you particularly to it? Well, that's that I, I did answer that. That is what draws me. That is what draws me Just to the, the table. Large, is, like... uh, the fact that there are so many different people coming to the table for different reasons. And it's um, the collaborative. It, it is the, the logical culmination of what happens when you get a lot of people with at least a tangential interest in fantasy writing mm-hmm. um, together at a table for all of these different reasons. And then you just get to see what happens. And as somebody, as a writer, as a, a fantasy um, writing enjoyer, as someone who has written dozens upon dozens of campaigns, half of which will probably never see the light of day. A great um, shame, unfortunately. I don't think so. I think most of the ones I don't use are probably not used for good reason. But um, I think that uh, either way, as someone who has a very vested interest in what the tabletop and fantasy writing communities and stuff like that have to say, you get some of the most unique character interactions that you could never think up on your own. And you get such a unique interpersonal interaction that you could never really get in in any other venue other than a bunch of people sitting around a table trying to figure out what their character is going to do next and it's enchanting it's it's amazing yeah Yeah, absolutely even when people do it wrong (laughs) yes even when people do it wrong or you have a moron to mess up what they're doing or what you're trying to do because you know no, can people make mistakes, they misunderstand, they don't elaborate how they want properly, and you know, you know, bad things happen. See, I feel like you're speaking from recent experience out of this and trying to get me to say things. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It, it just, um, I've I kind of fucked some shit up recently with the storyline, but I, I think it's still going to turn out pretty good. Did you? I had no idea that you messed anything up. What did you mess up? Oh, we don't need to get into that quite that much detail. <laughs> This is about you, not me. See, if you never told me, I would never have known. That's why it's still about me. (laughs) (laughs) Valid. Uh, I need BRF real quick. Hello, Craig. Hello, Craig. I hope you're having a good day. I hope everything is okay. With your recording spying on us. Hello, Future K. I hope you enjoy this extra little ad lib.
Okay, so. Now, you have never played Starfinder before we started this podcast. That's correct. Uh, what was your initial impression when I first asked you about doing this? Um, well, uh, initially you didn't tell me exactly what system it was going to be or what was going to happen. Uh, all you did was, uh, whinge at me about your constant dreams of, of having a podcast and, uh, or a stream at the time. I think the podcast came later. It was just, you wanted a streamed game and, uh, we had been spitting back and forth about doing one at some point, but then never really committing to anything. And, um, hard to get a group of other people to commit to things. It is not hard to get a group of other people to commit to things. I think you really just wanted me involved. <laughs> I mean, yes, I really wanted you involved because, I mean, you're amazing and one of my best friends. Uh, and I've been yeah. trying to get you playing tabletop games with me again ever since our Two Annihilation game ended many ever years since, ago. Ever since TOA, you've been trying to get me in again. I was just too damn busy. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think it really mattered to me what system it was just as long as it was something that I could pick up. And honestly speaking, I'll be the first one to say, I still don't know how to play Starfinder. Um, <laughs> and you kind of just read it like 3.5 light. I really don't know how to play Starfinder. I kind of just sit at the table and play the game, you know, like <laughs> everybody's in here talking about, you know, Dresna and the other gods and the, the state of the other worlds and the, the regions. And this is what's happening. Oh, God, what's going wrong with the drift? And I'm just sitting here going, I'm I'm an artichoke. <laughs> You're an artichoke. I, I, I don't care about any of this. I is am something a, tasty? I, I am a sentient, significantly involved cactus at this point. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's and part of... That's part of why Simber's character is kind of disconnected and aloof, because I knew that that was how I was going to be able to survive learning this campaign. Because uh, if I played a character any more involved than that, um, then I was going to be in trouble. Because <laughs> I was going to yeah. want to learn the whole system. And uh, <laughs> while in hindsight, that doesn't sound like it would have been a bad thing, especially since we've gone for as long as we have, um, my personal experience with tabletop groups, as you've pointed out, is uh, not great as far as consistency is concerned. Because I don't <laughs> show me a consistent tabletop group, and I will show you a fucking miracle. <laughs> I I can't argue that, and that's with me having a group that has played most Sundays for almost a year and a half, two years at this point. Yeah, and it's still a miracle. You still sit back and go, I'm waiting for this to go any day now, and it just never does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I, and I can't even say we have not hit every single Sunday for sure. Like, we have missed them. We've had a couple weeks on off breaks just because it's unavoidable. It's going to happen, yeah. But it's just fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. So given your... um general lack of not learning besides the basics. How are you feeling about the system so far? I think it's pretty fun. Like you pointed out, um, it kind of ends up feeling a lot like uh, just... Um, it ends up feeling just kind of a lot like D&D uh, light, I guess. But it's only... I, I get the feeling it only feels like D&D light because of how surface level my understanding of the game really is. I think if I really got into it, it would basically just be, you know, it's, it's a D20, it's D20 fantasy with wearing D20 future clothes, you know, same hat, different pants. 
and uh, again they trimmed the skill tree down a little bit yeah but they they put in some new ones too you know like it's basically starfinder to me feels like uh dnd future got the same treatment fifth ed did except they actually cared about it (laughs) and I'm, i'm down for it i really am like I, I don't really I don't really have any major judgments of Starfinder as a system. I think it's perfectly fun and it's a great it's a great sandbox to play a character in. Mm-hmm. Um but that's kind of just how it feels. That's just kind of how it feels though, uh honestly. Is um it's nothing too complex for somebody uh entry level like me to grasp and yet it has plenty of depth and complexity for people like um like st and clue and doge and literally everybody else in the group Pretty much. I, I feel like such a i feel like the scooby-doo of the group a lot of the time <laughs> if i'm honest with you because i'm just like i'm just like what's going on over there reggie wait wait hang on what's going on over there reggie you know like yeah Oh no! Trust me, I feel like that. Sometimes with them too, it's like I'm aware of what you're talking about when it comes to this lore that's <laughs> into Paizo's worlds. I, I have I, I have no idea why I'm here. I only know that I must kill. Sometimes, yes. Exactly. That's exactly me. Sometimes, and you know what? I'm glad everybody's having a great time because that's all that matters to me. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's just it still boggles my mind that this group somehow works for. A literal random collection of you're the only person I've known for more than a year. Really? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but it's um, it's been a really good time. It's been really um, it's been really nice to have a consistent group for. Oh God, what are we on now? It's almost six months. Um, they were past six months. Our first stream was in July last year. That's right. That's right. So yeah, for six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven Which months, is... eight months, nine. This is March. Yep, nine it's March. Yeah. So uh, we've got a stream baby now. We do. Oh god, that's horrifying to think about. <laughs> we have a game baby. <laughs> we have a game baby, folks. <laughs> Some weird big-brained artichoke gator thing with slug feet and uh, <laughs> more SRO parts than it has any any right having. Yes. Somehow we have ended up with far more robots than anyone could ever need or want. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we should have done Oops All Robots. It, we're almost there. All you have to do is just kill off, like, two people. Look, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. Y'all just ain't saying dead. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 could, I could go full ham and just straight up, all right, here's this next encounter, um, and build something that's impossible for you to win. Yeah, but you actually really it's like not. the characters, so you wouldn't do I that. I do. Well, it's like I was talking with... Um, yeah, so as you're aware, but listeners might not be quite as aware of, I am an insane person with a workaholic addiction to tabletop role-playing games. <laughs> um, right now, I have Dude Where's My Drift on a bi-weekly game. I have we... a Pathfinder <laughs> 2 bi-weekly. Uh-huh. I have a Dungeons & Dragons game every Wednesday night. Uh-huh. I have a, another Starfinder game every Thursday night. Uh-huh. Another Starfinder game every Thursday night. And uh-huh. I am a player... And they call it through the game every other Friday. Uh-huh. What about the Saturday game? I mentioned that one. That was Starfinder. Oh, did you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned three Starfinder games, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, if you can't tell, it's, I, it, it's become my favorite system because I just... So, 
so you currently run consistently six games simultaneously i'm sorry you run five you play in one yes Mm -hmm. yeah again crazy person that's a lot (laughs) um just dedicated to the craft that's mm -hmm. all but I think I was joking with uh, actually my Thursday Night Starfinder game that um, I love to see my players fail. Yeah, I don't want to kill them, though. Well, you know, there's other ways to make us fail than kill us, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, obviously, like my Fly for Your Die group, I literally our last session, I ended with them losing in combat for the first time in a year with that group. But it didn't end with them dying. It ended with them getting knocked out and imprisoned. Look, Gator could lose an eye. <laughs> I bet Gator, Gator would just be bald. Oh with man, a mechanical Gator, eye. Gator, no, it's even better. Gator loses an eye and gets the snake pliskin eye patch, and then just. <laughs> um, gonna send a quick note to Clue. <laughs> <laughs> Punished Gator. <laughs> yes. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Simber needs a pig leg. I think Simber needs three. to go. I, I think eventually Simber needs to go on the snake Bliskin arc and then just like go from being the comedic ca- cabbage to being the comedic cabbage with an eye patch <laughs> <laughs> and a brooding sense of, of self morality and just, just everybody died because of me. And this time it wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everybody died. I'm all alone. You don't know the things I've seen (laughs) this summer. (laughs) (laughs) So, when we were first talking characters, you said you wanted to play a healer. Yeah. And I pointed out that Mystic is the only, like, class is as close as a true healer the Starfinder has for like magical healing. And then you went to go look at your class type. Well kind of yeah, but then at the same time you also let me know that I wouldn't be the only healer in the group. And I said okay. So then I didn't feel the need to play the cleric anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was it so but First part of this question here is what made you want? Why did you just, just like want to default to playing the cleric as you as you said? Well, it, it's mostly because whenever a group is coming together, and uh, I feel like a lot of DMs, career DMs, feel this on a very spiritual level. Uh, whenever a group is coming together uh, from all kinds of different walks of life and stuff like that, the role that always gets overstepped the most, like or overlooked the most, is the healer role. And that leads to two, to a uh, an occasional um, dilemma on the part of the DM. Do you either provide a cleric in terms of a DM PC, um, which will allow your characters to go longer, but also kind of give you more of a power over life and death than maybe you should have for this to be collaborative writing? Yeah. Um, or do you not provide them a cleric and basically either force someone else to multi-class down the line or tone down all of your... So mainly the reason why I picked wanted to make sure that the healer role was picked before I knew that there was already another healer in the group um, was uh, 
for facilitation for you. And then okay. when, again, it turned out that there was another healer in the group, I said, well, two half-ass healers are actually more fun than one dedicated healer. <laughs> so I said, you know, so we have, we have a slug with a, with a, with a, with a Healy gun. Okay, cool. I'll be a, a, a I guess I'll, I'll be a destruction mage. Cause one of my favorite ways to play a cleric without playing a cleric is to play a negative energy cleric. And from what I saw, this was basically the closest thing I could get to it. Yeah. So basically it just drew you right into it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I, I just, I really just love that because it's like, I did not expect you to choose that particular mystic archetype like class feature. And yet I also couldn't at this point, and it could be because you've been playing for so long, but at this point I couldn't picture it any other way either. <laughs> it just works so well with just who you are as a person. Well, and it's also a, it's also a trick that I absorbed from one of my from one of my first DMs, um, which is a writer uh, by the name of Garen Whited. Shout out! He's made like eight books now at this point. By the way, did he write a Vampire Lord series? He wrote. Uh, he is still writing a Vampire Lord series. I want to say it's like seven books in now. Um, God damn. But he was one of my first. They're chonky books too. But mm-hmm. he was uh, he was one of my first um, DMs that I actually played under uh, between my career DMing phase. And uh, he. Um, his one of his shticks was whenever he had to DM PC a cleric, it was always a negative energy cleric so that he was making it very clear how much of an inconvenience it was that he was having to heal the party because they couldn't do it themselves. <laughs> He's sitting here going, I don't get this spell for free. I have to spend spell slots on this one. You ninnies. I do damage. This is the opposite of that. What the heck? But he could cure himself because he was, you know, usually like an undead of some variety or something like that. So he was, you know, negative energy helps. Yeah. At least that's what his excuse was. Um, But it also kept his character from ever being, you know, the voice of good and reason. So he was never, I mean, he was usually the voice of reason, but he was never the voice of good. (laughs) And I think I kind of absorbed that as being a very good, um, if you've ever played or heard of like dragon age origins you'd have morrigan being basically your dmpc and it's just like uh, the character disapproves of everything that the party does but they'll go along with it because what else are they going to do you know and then if somebody else rolls in or their character dies and they roll a healer instead good my guy fucks off he's pissed with you guys he doesn't care anymore (laughs) he might even be the big bad evil guy later you never know he just pissed off so much he just decides to murder everyone i mean hey that's a thing Exactly. So that was kind of the that was kind of the the inspiration that I was drawing on for my motivation behind where I took Simber as a character once I found out that I was under no impression of needing to be the healer. And I'm sure that you would have DMPC'd a great healer, but at the same time I didn't want to want you to be in that position for a podcast or a stream or anything. I'll say honestly for a podcast I I have an NPC on the ship. But as we all recall, I kind of also murdered the other four NPCs that were on the ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, why bother when we've got the B team? <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, the B guys... team who are more scary than the A team. <laughs> yes. And I, I I, mean, to be fair, uh, one member of the B team was originally A team, and then the player changed their mind right before the first session. Like, all right, I have to scrap at least this little section of notes here, but we can make it work. <laughs> And yeah, like, no, like, because 
the way they're built and then they're just personalities of that B team. It's I'm terrified of them, honestly, as a DM. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't ever want them to become the main team, but they probably will at some point. Well, at some point, Aegis is going to have to actually get good at weapons <laughs> and get like some that? better weapons. I don't know. Aegis is great at weapons. Aegis just sucks when I'm rolling the dice. <laughs> that is just Foundry. It has become my experience that um, Foundry Virtual Tabletop hates everybody except for me. You know what? And That's it hates valid. me some nights, too. That's valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not against this. People who want to decide to start rolling real dice, let's do it. I have a nice little tray right next to me. I'd have to go get some real dice. I admittedly lost my, my, my hard-earned dice sack over the last 10 years of barely using it. Would that be one of the traditional Crown Royal dice bags? Yes, absolutely. It's a Crown Royal dice bag that had other smaller Crown Royal dice bags inside of it, keeping the, the various different sets taking, <laughs> taking care of. Like, this is dice wow. jail. These dice got me killed. This is the weird dice that I don't know where I got, but here they are. This is for the that, giant steel amazing. one. Yeah. <laughs> This is for the giant steel one. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the one that blinks up whenever I roll a 20. Uh, these are the cooked dice. Don't actually use them, but they're funny for pranks. You know? <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't get that mixed up on accident. Yeah, on accident? <laughs> yeah, on quote unquote accident. Yeah, it's not a medium. I gotta actually say the words. <laughs> but I dig it. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's definitely something I've, it was something I've really thought about kind of as we were getting into this, like, if I wanted to really hard enforce the, uh, you have to roll from on the tabletop as we're playing, so that way it's just fair and balanced for everyone, or let it be a bit more free with people to roll how they will, but it just makes so much more sense, and it's also just more fun for the stream that we're rolling through the tabletop. Yeah, it shows up on stream and everything, and it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Now, if I remember to one of these days properly set up it to also record my browser, we'll even start getting those lovely clicky-clack dice sounds across the podcast. Ooh, that's when things are really going to start skyrocketing right there. Mm-hmm. I think I know a way to do it, but I'd have to test it out one of these days. Mm-hmm. This involves weird settings. Everyone's favorite. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the Drift Crashers adventure so far, just from your, let's call it an outside understanding? I think it's kind of interesting. I think that um, it definitely demands a certain level of understanding of the campaign setting already. For some of the things to hit, some of them don't, and uh, I feel like um, part of the way that I understand what's going on is context clues through other people's reactions. So if it was a group full of people like me, I, I kind of either wouldn't recommend it or I would recommend it with some very heavy-handed exposition in some places. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess it's not really often that you get somebody who's willing to dive right into a tabletop on a live stream without knowing anything about it first. So I no, recognize, I recognize that I'm in a... Uh, yeah, I recognize that I'm in a, um, <clears throat> in a rare predicament here. But... Um, I just think that it's uh I think that it's also not um it's not a bad way to experience the the world the first excuse me the first time through 
Like, I have no regrets about how things are going or anything like that. As far as the writing is concerned, I don't know how much of it is the AP and how much of it is you, so I don't want to be too critical about anything. Plus, I'm having fun, so that's all that really matters. Yeah, that is a big thing that matters. You, you, have, you are enjoying and having fun with it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, definitely, if it, like, this was, if it was a group of all people like you who have never played before, didn't know really much anything about a very high level, jumping into this, I would definitely have not chosen this adventure path. To kind of yeah. introduce into it, like it kind of has the it kind of has the 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 double ended sword of like, on the one hand, um, there are people at the table who know a lot about what's going on, and that's actually mm-hmm. pretty wonderful, uh, because it does mean that there is that depth for people like me who do. I am a lore hound by nature. It's just that I don't go, um. When it comes to tabletop games, <laughs> something a little bit unfortunate about me. Uh, when it comes down to tabletop games, I'm actually super averse to the idea of using the stock campaign setting uh, for tabletop games. It's been like that forever. Like I never wanted to use Greyhawk in 3.5. I didn't give a crap about Paylor or Corallon Leviathan or... Um, the Red Wizards of Fae or anything like that. That was that was not me uh, at all. And um, in 5th Ed, I was not a big fan of running it in Forgotten Realms. Uh, because again, mm-hmm. I just I don't care about Faerun. I don't care about Eberron. I don't care about all those. And it's not because I don't think they don't have good ideas in them, because I like the ideas that they put forward. I don't like treading in other people's backyards. You just want to... I mean, I guess it, you could almost phrase it this way: as you're just a bit more of a purist in terms of like what you want to experience and have out there. I don't think it's even—it's not even just what I want to experience. It's just that as a DM, I don't like doing those things. If I'm a player, I'm already playing in somebody else's domain. But if I'm a DM, I want it to be my domain that I'm playing in. You know, because I—I'm in the—I'm <laughs> in that specific seat of power where I can decide that I want this to be my domain. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. I? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me as a player. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable doing whatever because I'm already in somebody else's domain. I don't even mind, you know? And so yeah. it's like, I, because I've never, I've not really gotten to play an awful lot from this side of the table. Um, I think it, it kind of, um, it's nice having an established setting where people, cause I, I wish people cared about my campaign settings the way that people care about the established campaign settings too. There is a, oh a little God, bit of that's the dream right there. Like I wish that would happen, you know? Like I wish I could put out like a, a campaign bible that's got all of the that's got all the lore and the established stuff and the mm-hmm. the cosmology and the the societies and everything like that and people would pour over it the same way that like ST and and Doge and Clue and Chips and just pour over the the stuff from Starfinder and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I wish that people would treat my work that way. And so seeing a somebody's body of work that's being treated with so much respect and so much interest and stuff is um, mesmerizing for me. Um, and as a lore hound, like there is a lot of me that wants to get to know that kind of stuff. But at the same time, when it comes to tabletop games in specific, there is so many facets of any given tabletop games, background, cosmology, campaign setting, whatever, that 
could be changed mercurially by the DM at any given moment because it would fit the narrative better, fit the circumstances better. You know, like if somebody was like, um, that world shouldn't be in this particular place because its orbit would actually have it being on the other side of the sun at this particular part in the timeline. You know, like, I oh God, I don't know how interactive anybody was like that specific with it in my games ever. Right. But it, the, the point is that like, while that's a little bit hyperbolic, uh, things in that degree are that way where it's like, huh, is this really the kingdom that's on this planet? Cause I thought this planet was a, was a, a democracy. You know, then it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? And so part of me wants to not know very much in this particular circumstance, because I want to give you the flexibility to do what you want with the property. Part of me mm. wants to know more because I'm curious and I do occasionally pick up certain things. The the TV tropes for Starfinder has been pretty enlightening. Um, but isn't it? But um, at the same time, it's like, I feel like playing the ignorant character when I'm actually ignorant works best for me in this particular circumstance and makes everything more comfortable. So seeing the writing of the game from the perspective of an outsider has been the best way for me to play it. That's just like as a DM, as a GM, like, again, this uh, Starfinder is very close to become my favorite system because. I love the idea of space fantasy. It's just so exciting, like, because you're not limited to just, oh, you have to be on Earth. You can't go flying around unless you have wings and then you don't fly that fast. You can't travel to other planets without some woo-woo magical bullshit happening. It's, hell no, throw me in a spaceship and let my characters fly and take off? Yes, please. <clears throat> and, like, that right there has just been the... That's what I love most about this system, is mm -hmm. it's just, it's... I can throw my characters in space. I can throw my plays in a spaceship and let them go take off and do what the fuck ever they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um. Let's see. My next question is: Where do you think these stories gonna kind of take off from where we left off? Um. As a bit of a reference to this point, so obviously you vaguely remember where the last stream ended. <laughs> Uh, for the podcast aspect of it, the last episode was the fight in the uh, dojo where Simber betrayed the rest of the team. So I, I feel like I can't really answer this question very much because there's something that I'm keeping from you specifically. You're keeping and from I, everybody unless you DM the rest of the party. <laughs> I did, no, no, but I meant you specifically. I'm going out of my way to make sure you don't know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I, I, feel like, this. I feel like there's only so much I can do to really answer where I think things are going to go next because that will answer some questions for you about things that I'm trying to keep from you. Well, uh, I mean, in as broad spectrums of like what, where the story is going next, not necessarily specific actions that are about to be influenced <laughs> as you all. Oh God. Now something very scared of something I just thought of. <laughs> what makes you think the story is not about to end? What? All right, hey, that, that, that's fair. <laughs> I guess that takes us into season two a lot quicker than I was anticipating. Oof, man. Yeah, everybody get prepare your B-team member. The A-team is about to die. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we knew them well. All right. 
if it's still B team, then I, I can still keep going with the story for a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> reasonably speaking, um, I, I, I honestly have no real idea where it's going to go from here. I mean, <laughs> to spoil the experience for anybody listening, including people in our group, uh, you and I have, have very loosely discussed certain parts of the story that you, you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and um, I think um, as far as like, maybe instead of answering uh, where I think it's going to go, maybe I should answer where I would want it to go from here. Uh, I want want in the lightest possible sense, not want in the sense of if you don't do this, I fucking quit. You know, like want mm-hmm. in the sense of like where I sit right now narratively, this would be interesting to explore. Um, I tend to like stories that explore uh character interaction on a very close, intimate level, but also um put the characters in positions where not even the players really know what the right answer would be. And I don't mean the right answer in the sense of like, aha, it's a riddle. What do you think the right answer is? Ah, oh, shit, I don't know without Google. But um, the right answer of I mean, like, this is viable, and it's. I mean, like, both work. I mean, like. <sighs> Decisions that actually have long-reaching consequences, not just because yeah, the plot is written that way, but because like, um, like, what nature, like, what um, is the extent to which, uh, an SRO's life matters as much as say an organics, you know, mm-hmm. what is the extent to which uh, the AI of a ship's consciousness is allowed to experience what a living being is allowed to experience. Um, I mean, what kind of draws the line between what would be a sentient robotic organism for an SRO or just a regular AI? Exactly. Like uh, it, it explores things that explore the game world in ways that the campaign setting can't really answer because they are moralistic decisions. They're decisions that will define the characters uh the way that they are and give the people playing them something maybe not necessarily to think about because i don't think everybody gets that deep into their games like i do but um it gives them a moment where they're like man i really don't know what the right answer here is i don't know like what i would consider to be the correct answer and so exploring things uh of that nature um is uh the kind of thing that that's kind of my jam at the moment you know what i mean where it's like yeah i feel like um where i want it to go is outside of everybody's comfort zone but not for shock value and I like it when stories that are not in- inherently designed to do that do so, you know, like, um, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I-, I think that that's just, uh, it-, it hits the, it hits the brain juices in the right places. And I know that's not like a definitive answer of where I want things to go. I just, I like the idea of things moving away from the, the trite cliches that make comfortable, uh, easy listening fantasy. And I really want it to be a case where it's like, it's gripping 
but not because there's so much trauma going on, not because there's so much everybody's suffering, life sucks, but because if you think about it, the crew of the Primarata are in this one-of-a-kind, completely unique ship, as far as we yep. know. I mean, and reasonably, that's exactly what's happened. Mm-hmm. And we're in this completely unique position where we have access to the drift, and apparently not very many people do, if at all. Um, and we have been transcending the boundaries between space and time and dimensions. And okay. So obviously there are some things that are pushing us in various directions and we're basically just trying to figure out our way home, but what do we do with this power? And to what extent is it our power to do anything with? You know? And at one point is there like, what's the line that you, cross with this power to literally skip through time yeah because i mean like um we could end up at some point going back in time and undoing something that somebody in the group morally thinks is a bad thing and all of a sudden everything's changed we may not ever go back to the quote-unquote present where everything's changed but we'll have to deal with the fact that in order to like keep our freedom and keep our mission moving forward and keep control of the Primarata that we may have to do things that would jeopardize the status quo as we knew them. Well, kind of like how your one brief trip to the future kind of led to a revelation of something happened that y'all were involved with uh, that led to the utter devastation <clears throat> of everything in the future. But yeah, right. you guys haven't done that as far as you know. Right. Well, and I mean, that's so nebulous that we may never know that. To be honest, there may never be a point where we're like, ooh, 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 this is the thing we fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it may be more of a case of um, where we eventually find ourselves. Uh, hang on. Yep. Where we may eventually find ourselves. Uh, um, moving forward. I don't know, just. There's so much opportunity for bad guys to spring up because of our own actions that are not super, like, cookie-cutter obvious, you know what I mean? Super just, you know, uh, you killed my brother and I hate you, prepare to die, you know? (laughs) Nothing like that, but something that was created where it's like, well, obviously we have to fight you. Well, why is that? Because this is the terms of the, the civilization that we made because of your interference. Oh. You know, like, or just the case of like uh, Malakanta said, the book of End One. You, yeah, you killed their sister, and then you did y'all did something that just completely fucked up everything. Yeah, things like that. Things like that are cool. Um, but things where fate is not already assigned, I think, is my point. <laughs> yeah, I I like those things just because it's like, as a player, the biggest thing that I want is to feel like I am having a deliberate, distinct effect on the story. Not just how it gets from point A to point B, which are already predetermined, but perhaps because of my actions, point B through H are no longer even on the table and we're having to make a point I. And instead of being punished for that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would be It would be great if it was just like, or instead of being punished for it or it being brushed under the table in favor of the railroad, it just keeps moving. And I know that's hard to do in an, in an, in an AP. I know that's hard to do uh, without going just full homebrew. 
but mm -hmm. I really like the idea of being able to do that. And I, I'd like that to be the eventual direction, maybe, you know, next season or something. Um, I mean, like I said, it, it's definitely very front of my mind right now. Mm -hmm. I like that's the direction to kind of start taking it more and more because it's just a, a very competent, capable, amazing GM, like several tiers higher than what I'm able to bring. They can take a pre-written adventure and they can make it epic as fuck. Mm -hmm. And I can make it enjoyable and entertaining, but I don't have quite that ability to make it that epic as fuck story. Mm -hmm. Conversely, I can homebrew some wild and wacky shit. And honestly, the more I homebrew and the more I think about it, I also just have a much higher emphasis on the characters themselves with homebrew stories that I create. Which is the good, which is the right idea in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like straight up, I was joking with my Wednesday Night Dungeons and Dragons group that um, I literally have not written a single note for their story for the story we were playing in that campaign since our session zero. I'm literally just, all right, here's the very high end of the story that we're, that we're selling here. Um, Y'all do what you want to do. Of course. And it's just been, it's been very, it's a stress, very stress-free game for me. Like, I don't really care about any of it beyond just, I want just there to have fun. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's been a feeling that I've missed for a long time. So that's something I've really been able to, dive into for some time. It's just been very pleasant. And it's definitely something I want to see going forward, you know, eventually with Dude, Where's My Drift? Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> like if, I, if I can get this show to a point to where I literally don't have to plot or plan anything, I just to, to get, throw you guys at a, uh, here's your scenario, what do you do? And then occasionally add stuff in there or throw an enemy at your face? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you'd, you'd go out of your fucking gourd. <laughs> I mean, I think I still have a standing challenge where if you guys can go an entire like hour and a half session, just you are enjoying talking to each other and role playing and everything so much that I don't say a single word. I'll consider that a victory. You'll go out. You'll go out of your mind if that happens more than once, though. I mean, you guys see me on webcam. You'll see me walk away eventually. <laughs> but, <laughs> I need to be here for this. I'm going to go do other things. Yep. And that's going to end up on TikTok. <laughs> that would end up on TikTok. Yes, <laughs> when you talk so much and have such good character interaction, the DM leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like, I bet all you at home DMs wish you could do this in the middle of your players interacting. Walk off with wireless headphones on so I can still hear everything. <laughs> Comes back with a coffee, sets it down, takes the <laughs> headphones off, goes to go get some cheese or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wait, what are you talking about? I don't have to go to get coffee. It's right behind me. It's within arm's reach at all times. Okay. What? <laughs> it's things like that. It's things like that that made me point out the fact that you have dependency. It's okay. It's okay. We're doing better. We're doing better. Yep. How many shots are you down to now? <laughs> oh, um, hey, I, I was off at work yesterday. I didn't have a single drop of coffee or caffeine. I had a full my full twenty ounce thermos on drive into work today, and then I got an, another twenty ounce iced coffee at work right before I had to drive for an hour to go to, to another store. Mm -hmm. That's it for the day. Is it because you couldn't get the coffee from the store you went to? No, it's because I just didn't 
feel I needed more. Mm, look at you. Look at you. I know. It's wild. Oh, look at you. Look at you. You're a god. <laughs> it's okay. I know. It's hard to be this amazing. All right. So what's next? Uh, so I asked you where you think he was going. I asked you how you're feeling about it. Honestly, I think that's about everything I wanted to kind of cover and go over. Is there anything that you want to say or ask while, I, while you're here tonight? Um, not necessarily. Um, no, I can't really think of anything uh, too specific to say, announce. Um, no, no, like weird high-end spoilers you want to ask for? No, because A, I, even if I asked, I think you'd just lie to me. Or <laughs> or you'd tell me what you think the real thing is going to be, and then next week you'd change your mind. <laughs> I mean... Are there any more plot points you want to ask me about that you can then thwart immediately? <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to know what that coin flip is going to be. Or, well, thank actually, you, everybody. No. It's been a wonderful <laughs> interview. I'm really glad you'll find out what that coin flip was in two weeks, I think. Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. One, one thing. <laughs> Can I at least know the mechanic. Are you flipping an actual coin in person, or are you going to roll a die, or how, how, you do, how are you doing it? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> i hope y'all enjoy our very quick and brief call to open uh this tonight <laughs> at 8 p.m eastern standard time uh yeah because then <laughs> we're gonna open directly into simber on this one it's <laughs> <laughs> perfect i love it well thank you so much for sitting down with me and doing this uh like i said this Yep. We'll be streaming again tonight on Twitch and Twitch at the very least. Um, it'll yeah. be it'll be being streamed on Twitch, and then VODs will be available on YouTube uh, a couple days later. Oh yeah, there we go. All right, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, folks. Have a great night. Thanks for being here, Kaz. I appreciate it, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you being our tech gremlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Take take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.